if I were to describe the way that I was raised and the relationship I had with her as a child, people would dismiss it. They would think that I was one of those spoiled children who was making things up because she was clearly a wonderful person, and she was, but I had so much sorrow. Hi, welcome to VMRA. This is a place where we focus on finding strength through love for God, ourselves, and others in order to heal our minds, bodies, and spirit. Whether you are learning how to set boundaries, finding your own voice, or just need a safe place to feel understood, I hope you join us. So grab a cup of coffee, put your earbuds in, and join us as we learn how to live life better. Welcome to VMRA. This is Angie Schultz, your host today. And today's kind of an exciting day a few for a few reasons. I have a very good friend of mine and business partner, Marie Manning, with me. Um, we also own You Could Always Fly. Soon we will be starting a podcast with that same title. And hopefully you'll be able to listen to that as well. Anyway, hi Marie, how are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you Angie? Great. So today we were going to be talking about someone who you love very dearly, but who has also really hurt you. Yeah. Very much. Um, And do you mind, that would be your mother, right? Yes, that's true. Okay. Do you mind sharing with me what this person is like? So if you met my mom, you would be completely amazed at her because she is just absolutely a lovely, lovely person. Um, She is incredibly, or or was, she actually passed away in the beginning of 2020, but uh, she is so talented, incredibly talented, very artistic, very kind. Her superpower really was to see the good in any person that she met to be able to just pinpoint the value that they had and she treated everyone with with so much grace and our home was always open to our friends Uh, I have friends who to this day say I knew what kind of marriage I wanted by watching your parents she served others unfailingly they even did a write-up in a local newspaper because she and my dad had a ministry working with students who were from foreign countries and they would provide a home for them and this is where they'd go for their holidays when the college was completely empty and this is where they spent their Christmas and wonderful wonderful mother but my childhood with her did not reflect that she seemed to be able to see the good in everyone except for me and that's the thing about a lot of abusive relationships where the abuser is this amazing person and you hear them I would hear my mom on the phone giving this incredibly wise and discerning advice to people and she ran she did Bible studies that impacted hundreds of women's lives over the years and brought so many women to the Lord and was just so full of heart for people but still 
if I were to describe the way that I was raised and the relationship I had with her as a child, people would dismiss it. They would think that I was one of those spoiled children who was making things up because she was clearly a wonderful person, and she was, but I had so much sorrow. So, you know, you you always talk so much praise about her. You do a really great job of honoring your mother, which I am very proud of you, especially for the hurt that you have gone through. Do you mind sharing with what some of the ways that she treated you differently than your siblings? Because you were kind of like the black sheep of your family as far as the way that your mother treated you. So do you mind sharing some of those stories? So there is this thing that happens in abusive households. Now this is especially the case when you have some children that are the golden children and then the black sheep. Um, The term for that is the Cinderella effect. I really hate that term because first of all, The person who was abusing Cinderella was not a biological mother. She was an outsider. That changes the dynamic altogether. The second reason is that Cinderella had this wonderful happy ending, right? But the reality is that those of us who have lived through that don't have that wonderful happy ending. And Cinderella could say, you know what, this is not who I am because this is not my mother. But those of us who have dealt with this with biological parents, we can't say those words. So I hate that term. But basically, it's when one child is the bad child and the other children can do no wrong or some of the other children can do no wrong and this child can do no right. The dynamic is you are being the lie that you are being treated this way because you are the bad kid. It is the lie that abusers tell themselves it is the lie that abuser that an abuser tells the family, and it's the lie that the, that the abuser tells the child. You're the bad kid. See, I would like to treat you nicely, but I can't because you're the bad kid, because you make it hard for me. Then you have an entire dynamic surrounding. It becomes part of the DNA of the family. Thank you so much for sharing like the dynamic of your family. So do you have a specific story that kind of exemplifies what you're describing here? So it was a whole lot of things. Uh, The first thing is that I always had a, there was a double standard for me. So from the time that I was 12 and my younger sister was nine, we were the same size. People thought we were twins because we looked a lot of like dark hair, dark eyes, you know. Um, but there would be clothing that I would purchase because from the time I was about 13 on, my parents could not afford a lot, you know, a lot for us kids, which was fine. But I was responsible for babysitting and earning my own money and purchasing my own clothing. So I would buy something at say Goodwill or whatever and get it home and mom would say, that is immodest. You can't wear that. And she would take this item of clothing and give it to my sister, who was literally the same size as me. And it was immodest for her to wear this that skirt at that length or that blouse or whatever. But it was immodest for me to wear it. So there was this double standard. In addition to that, anyone in the family could say any awful thing they wanted to me. And it would be ignored. And it's the moment that I would 
stand up for myself or tell them that they were being awful, then I would be scolded. I would get in trouble. You know, I the, the stories that you're saying kind of remind me of something you shared with me because, you know, we've been friends for a very long time. Yes. Um, you shared with me a story about the chores in your house. Do you mind sharing that story with our listeners? Oh, so this is like more the mind games. Yes. Yeah. When I say that I couldn't do anything right, the goalpost was constantly moving. It was just always moving. So my mom, we would have rotating chores where we'd have different rooms that we were responsible for each week. So somebody would be responsible for the bathroom. They had to deep clean it on Saturday, and then they were responsible for keeping it tidy throughout the week. She would make a list of everything she wanted done in said room and put it somewhere in the room, in a cabinet or on the back of a door or something like that. And then we had to follow through that list, and only when that list was completed was it considered clean. One time, and I was a teenager, and I had always missed the goal for my whole life, and always been told it was because I wasn't working hard enough and I wasn't trying hard enough. I thought, I'm really going to do it today. I'm really going to make her happy. So I went down that list. I did every single item on that list to the best of my ability, got it as clean as I possibly could, did everything right according to her list of what she considered the room clean. So I was very excited at the end of this process because I'm going to show her and now she's going to be, you know, praise me for having done everything correct, right? Well, when she came into the room, she didn't say anything about what I had done and then mentioned several different things that were not on the list and weren't part of the cleaning process that I should have done anyway. I should have just, should have just known. So the next time I went above and beyond, I did everything on the list and then some. I did anything that could look like it could possibly be dirty or need to be organized or whatever. I just really went all out. So I find, and it took hours and I finally bring her in there and she said, well, you know, I see you did everything on the list. It looks fine. And I said, well, did you notice how I did all this, this extra thing here and all this extra there? Well, you shouldn't have done any extra. I really had some other things I needed you to get it done today. It didn't matter what I did. And there were other mind games too. So the goalpost was always moving. I couldn't get do anything right. She never complimented me. I can only think of twice in my life that she complimented me. And once, and it was to other people. Once was on the, she was on the phone with someone. I was in preschool. I was like three and a half years old. Um, and the next time she said anything, I was a senior in high school. So it was just, I could not do anything right, no matter how hard I tried. How did your relationship with your mom change from childhood living at home to adulthood after you had moved out? So one of the things that happened a couple of times, even when I was living at home, is that she would call me at work. And I was working in a call center, and she would wait on the phone until I was done with the call I was on, and then I would have to go to the phone, and then she'd yell at me. She did that a couple times. When I moved away, I went away to college, and I came home over Christmas, and it was 
awful. Just awful. Um, my younger sister clearly ruled the roost. So even though here I was, a 21-year-old woman, my parents would literally make me obey her as if she was a parent. It was... I went back and I'm like, I'm never going home again. And I didn't. I went to visit, but I never went home again to live, ever. When I moved to Michigan and I... I had gotten a job as a receptionist at a bank. And one day, I, you know, did something she didn't like. And she called me and yelled at me over the phone. And I was ugly crying in the bathroom. And at that point, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. If she can't be at least the most basic manners that you learn in kindergarten, I'm not going to talk to her. I did not talk to her for months. I went no contact before we even knew that that was a thing. I just had enough going on in my life. I just didn't need any more. So you did end up letting her back in your life. When you decided to let her back in your life, what were some boundaries that you had to place in order to keep it so that way you were healthy? So that was the, the struggle the whole time. I would talk to her on the phone, even early in my marriage, where my husband recalls it to, where I talked to her on the phone and she would pick apart everything I said. I did not get in the habit of calling my mom because when I would get off the phone with her, I would want to smash the phone. It was not pleasant. And so distance was the best. They lived 13 hours away. It was very nice to, to be far away from them. And not have to deal with mom on the regular. A few weeks ago, I had my friend Andrea Smith on. And mm -hmm. she has a mother who was a narcissist. Um, she did end up revealing that it was her mother. She wasn't sure she was going to, but did decide to. And um, many of the stories kind of aligned. But she was a clinical narcissist. Would you say your mom was anything like that? Or was it just something about her relationship with you that caused her to behave the way that she did? I, I know for sure that her dad was a narcissist. And, and I think she had some narcissistic tendencies. A lot of things were about her. Like when I won a really rather prestigious award when I was a senior in high school with the local 4-H group. I was number one in the entire state for this in like something like 18 points ahead of the person in second place. So it was a pretty handy win, right? When I won that, and I won it, she said to me, she hugged me, which was the first time she had, that I remember ever in my entire life her initiating any kind of physical affection ever, right? I would hug her goodnight, that kind of thing, but she never wanted to touch me. So she hugged me and then she said, aren't you glad you have a mother who taught you the good homic skills so you could win this award? Like, She had to take ownership. She had to take ownership. So there was a lot of narcissistic tendencies, but I think that a lot of it too was just pure on clinical depression. I think that she was completely miserable. Um, she had been abused by her own father. And that a lot of that came out from there because when my now 19-year-old was an infant, she got help with her depression. The change in her was so drastic that my dad literally said, we will buy, f we will go hungry 
before we go without buying her supplements that she needs. But if I had any hope that it would change the dynamic that she created in her head for me, there was another incident that proved that that was not going to happen. We went on vacation with them. And we could not afford, my family could not afford to rent a cabin at this place. She insisted each person, each family would take, take responsibility for one meal. And she insisted that I could not prepare the meal that I was responsible for at her cabin. And there, I had to cook pasta. I couldn't do that over an open fire. We were just staying at a campgrounds, right? And so she said, fine, you can just, you know, make your pasta salad at the house, but then everything else you have to cook at your campground. Okay, fine. As I was, just got the pasta salad done, the, the hamburger patties were ready, I'm packing everything in the car, we're headed to the campground, they pulled in, and she and my one sister were yelling at me because dinner wasn't ready. When we could have thrown the stuff on the grill at, at her cabin at any time, and everything would have been on the table and ready to eat when they got there. But she insisted I could not cook that those hamburgers there. They had to be done at our campgrounds. My older sister actually kind of yelled at her and threw a fit about it because she said it's just so mean. So she defended you? My older sister did, yeah. Which surprised me, but she did. And she said, you know, she told my mom, she said, you guys are just mean. It's just mean, like, she did, Dawn not having this pasta salad, having this pasta salad and having dinner ready was not for lack of effort. I worked on it, like, the entire day. I was cooking food for 50 people. So it was the entire day, and Larry wasn't there. I was doing it on my own. My older brother and older sister helped some. She came and apologized to me for the first time in my life ever. Uh, my younger sister, who was also yelling at me about it, never did apologize. But later on, I thought, well, maybe mom and I can actually talk about this. But instead of recognizing her part in the whole way the whole thing went down and how it all played out, what she said to me is, oh, you just made too much pasta salad. Because, you know, if anyone else in my family had come up against the same obstacles that I had come up against that day, she would have said, oh, well, that, those were some crazy obstacles. You know what? Let's give you grace. Let's everybody pitch in. Let's get this done. We can handle it, right? But that was not what was going to happen with me. That the obstacles I faced were considered my fault. So um, as you got older and she started getting treatment for her depression, did, you know, I know that she still held on to some of that, but did oh, yeah. it change overall? Overall, you, I could at least talk to her on the phone. I didn't want to smash the phone every time I got off the phone with her. I was able to take her to task for a couple of, of the times where she exhibited some of this behavior to other people where I was like, that's not okay, and this is why, and, you know, kind of take her to task for that. But, I mean... We were okay, but there was always going to be this, once once that went down on that vacation, I just went, you know what? This is never going to happen the way that I want it to. I'm never going to get from her what I want. She's never going to take responsibility for anything that she did to me or for her mindset. 
and I'm just going to have to accept that and call it like I see it and move on with my life. So if there was something that you could say to your mom, what would you like to say to her? You were wrong. You were wrong about me. I love that actually, because I know it's true because I know you and I see this very beautiful person. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I'm not being sweet. I I'm being honest. I feel the same way about you. <laughs> no, but I see a very beautiful person with an amazing heart and who strives really hard to do her best. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate this so much. Um, and I can't wait till our own podcast. Yes, I'm so excited. We might end up doing a little bit, little clips of this one for that podcast. I'm fine with that. That sounds good to me. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate every time that you come on. God bless. <laughs> thank you so much, Angie. Thank you so much for listening until the end of our episode. I hope you join us next week. I love hearing from my listeners, so feel free to email me at vmrahealing at gmail.com. VMRA is spelled V-I-A-M-A-R-E, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G. You can also check out our website at healingmindbodyspiritwithangie.com. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Please join me next week. God bless.